is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We are three days away from Super Bowl 52. We're going to preview the game. We're going to give you some DFS advice. But, hey... The Super Bowl has been upstaged by the Redskins and the Chiefs' big-time NFL trade, and we're going to talk about it. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Dave Richard, what type of Super Bowl food are you looking forward to the most? I haven't even planned out my Super Bowl meals yet, so I'm sure pizza will be involved, and uh, it's going to be delicious as usual. Jamie Eisenberg reporting live from Minnesota. How excited are you for negative 14-degree weather? Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's been it's been okay so far, but Friday is supposed to be brutal. So we'll see how uh, how it goes here in fine and lovely Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Baby. How much have you actually been outside? Because I hear about how everything is connected to keep people indoors up there. So that that's that's downtown, um, which which is true. I have yet to uh, venture downtown outside of media night where I got on a bus. I got off a bus. I went back on a bus and got off a bus. Um, <laughs> So I haven't really been outside downtown too much uh, at our hotel, which is right across the street from the Mall of America, which is uh, a fantastic experience. If anyone gets a chance to uh, take part in lovely, uh, I believe we're in Bloomington uh, is where the, the areas. I think so. I don't even know where I am. But uh, we just get on, on and off a bus. Now, last night, uh, just for your quick weather report, uh, there was about five of us from CBS that were standing outside waiting for what was supposed to be uh, the bus service that literally takes us across the street. That's how cold it is. You cannot walk across the street. Um, we were waiting for the bus. It took more than five minutes. We said, screw it. We jumped in a cab and we took a cab across the street. Oh, across the street? <laughs> well, because it's, it's, it doesn't sound as, as stupid as I probably just made it, but you can't walk directly across the street. Okay. It's like you have to go through like a, a gated area and it's like a, um, Two four lane, you know, four four lanes right. on each side of the highway. Oh, that's a lot. That's so a lot. Yeah, it, it, it would be a little bit of a hike, uh, more so than just you know literally going right across the street. But it's it's cold. <laughs> Put it that way. All right. Well, luckily the game is indoors. Jamie will be there. We'll hear all about it on next week's show. But Jamie's been talking to a lot of a lot of people, a lot of players throughout the week. So he's going to tell us about Deshaun Watson's health, about what Al- Alvin Kamara thinks about the rookie draft class, about what Stefan Diggs thinks about. The quarterback next year in Minnesota. But first I want to do this, uh, this question, which I put to a Twitter poll yesterday. Who do you want in 2018? Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes? Dave Richard, you can have the first word. Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes? Who do you want? I'm not excited about Alex Smith going to Washington. Uh, I like the tools that he worked with in Kansas City and now Mahomes inherits those tools and I know that his arm is stronger than Alex Smith's and I think that offense could really see some Drastic changes with him under center. I will take the upside of Mahomes. Okay, Jamie, you, uh, Mahomes for for Dave. How about you? Uh, that's a no brainer. I mean, you have one guy that uh, is is at the entry point of his career that is going to inherit that Andy Reid offense, and and as Dave said, he has much better weapons than what Alex Smith is walking into. The the Redskins are certainly going to retool their receiving core because Terrell Pryor, uh, whether he stays or not, has not worked out clearly. Uh, you expect a bigger role for Josh Doxson. I actually spoke to Kirk Cousins. This is just the, the crazy way the, the world works sometimes. Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith both spent time doing media appearances, um, on, in Minnesota, Radio Row. And that night is when this all happened. So, you know, they, they avoided. 
being asked about these, uh, this situation. Uh, but I asked her cousin specifically about Jamison Crowder and he said he played most of the year hurt. So I, I expect him to be better. I expect Jordan Reed to, to, you know, be okay if he's healthy. So there are still weapons in Washington, but Patrick Mahomes is clearly the better player. I mean, fantasy wise. Well, that's just, look, 61% of uh, the people who responded to the poll on Twitter uh, that I posted agree with you guys. They t- they go with Mahomes. I guess, but he's Mahomes. We don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about him. It's it's a bit of a leap of faith, don't you think? We know that he completed about 63% of his passes with backups against Denver in Week 17 on the road. I think that that's a good start. It's a good start, And sure. listen, the reality, the reality, Adam, is that you're going to get one of these guys with a late pick. We're not talking about round six or round seven for either Smith or Mahomes. So there's really not going to be a lot of risk in drafting either one. And with that being the case, I'd rather spend the pick on somebody with upside and get next year's Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, nobody's going to draft Alex Smith in a one-quarterback league. People will take a chance on Mahomes as a number two quarterback in a in a one-quarterback league. Obviously, both guys will go in two quarterback leagues. But, I mean, Alex Smith, you, you kind of know what to expect at this point. He, he does have the chance to surprise you like he did this year, but he also has the chance to just be mediocre, which I think is probably where he's going to start to trend. And I'm not even disagreeing that people aren't going to draft him, but it is just kind of funny that he finishes the number two or three quarterback. I think, I think number three in, uh, in fantasy this year behind Wilson and Brady. <laughs> and, and people are like, yeah, he's Alex Smith. He's, he's, he's basically no upside, but, um, all right. So with this trade, the Redskins getting Alex Smith from the Chiefs for, uh, Kendall Fuller, a apparently very good cornerback, and a yep. third-round pick. Now, the Redskins will get a third-round compensatory draft pick when Kirk Cousins signs. It won't be as good as the third-round pick they're giving up, but they will get a third-round pick back. They have a ton of cap space. Uh, this trade could fall through. It's got until March 14th, but it, it's probably going to happen. It can't be made official until March 14th. Uh, but all right, who who wins – who loses? Jamie, I'll throw it over to you. So just so everybody knows, on today's show, we'll start with this. We'll get into what Jamie heard and saw during Super Bowl week, some of the important topics, and then we're talking Super Bowl. And then we're going to hear from Todd Gurley. Dave and I interviewed Todd Gurley on Tuesday. Find out what I said to Todd Gurley that made him say, how did you even get this interview? Uh, we had a good time. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun interview. Uh, but, yeah, let's start with this uh, with this Redskins-Chiefs trade. And, and Jamie uh, – some winners that you see from this trade. Well, I mean, the one we just talked about is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't think it was any doubt that he was going to be the starter in Kansas City this year. It was just a matter of how it was going to happen. Very shocking that it happened in January, but um, he's he's a winner. I, I think you look at the uh, the skill players for the Chiefs. The one who wins the most, in my opinion, would be Tyree Kill because of the chance of some bigger plays downfield. Not that Alex Smith did not have his share of getting Hill the ball. In, in spots to make him win, but you know, just with Mahomes' ability, I think to uh, you know throw the ball downfield with a little bit more, take some more chances, I guess, throw yeah. the ball down the field. Sure, that will certainly help Tyree Kill. And then for the Redskins, I, I think you look at it. If everybody's healthy, you know what Alex Smith's history has been with tight ends, from Vernon Davis to Travis Kelsey. So if Jordan Reed is right, he could you know benefit clearly in, in a big way, and still an offense that's going to feature him. Uh, Jamison Crowder and I think Chris Thompson both benefit because of the chance of Alex Smith not taking chances. You know, I mean, he's, he's somebody that the talk at the Super Bowl when this trade happened, it was very funny because the NFL throws a party for the media 
And when this happened, you just saw people just scurrying, you know, the <laughs> national guys, uh, our guys included, because I was with Pete Briscoe and Jason Lacafora just to confirm it, to, you know, get, uh, do their, you know, radio hits or, or in our case, like our video hits. Um, and, and then the talk was great. The Redskins acquired a guy that's known for not hurting you and not taking chances. So I, I think you look at the guys that stay in safe routes, Thompson and, and Crowder, they, they win as a result of getting out Smith. Dave, your take? Well, I think two other winners are Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Winners? Winners. Cause that's where Kirk Cousins is going to go. Oh, okay. So okay. You're, you're Kirk Cousins agent apparently, so you know where he's going. <laughs> there, if, if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm looking at one of two places and I think the one that makes the most sense is Denver. I'm yeah. I, I mean, that, that's logically that makes, makes a lot of sense, but, uh, I, I think the Jets are going to throw a lot of money at him. And, uh, that's, that's kind of the buzz around here is that that's, that's the, the, the landing spot that could make, uh, could end up where he could be where he ends up. Okay. Well, then in that case, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will be big losers again. <laughs> and Robbie Anderson would be a winner along with whoever else the Jets bring in. They do have a ton of cap room. Uh, they're certainly contenders for his services, I guess, but, Wherever Cousins goes, the point is, is that his receivers will get an upgrade. They will be more appealing for fantasy purposes. And here's what I take away from it. Kirk Cousins, the last three seasons, has put up over 4,000 yards passing. He's put up at least 29 total touchdowns. He's finished as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He has to go to a place where he's going to get some good help at receiver. I think the Jets are the worst of the three teams that we talked about for him. Uh, we, we, I didn't even mention the other team that made sense, I don't think, but the Broncos and the Vikings, two teams that I think would love to have his services. Denver's the one that has the least amount of cap space, so they'd have to cut a lot of players to do it, but I think they could. Um, but ultimately, I think Cousins would have a chance at getting back to those numbers for a fourth straight year if he's in Denver, if he's in Minnesota. I think it would be a harder time for him to do that if he goes with the Jets. If he goes to the Broncos, if Kirk Cousins goes to the Broncos – he is a top what quarterback? Twelve. That's it. Yeah. Jamie, quarterback is rich this could year. He, could he get? Could I mean, he's got top five potential if he goes to the Broncos. Now, I mean, look, he finished top six or seven two years in a row off the top of my head. So I, it would be awesome for him for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd see much change though in his in his production to be honest with you, just because I I don't. I don't know like how high his ceiling really is. I would love to find out. You know, he's a really interesting player. <laughs> Which... Yeah, so don't rule out Arizona too. They're going to make a play for him. Sure. Uh, Jacksonville's going to make a play for him. Um, so he's going to be, you know, in the mix for a lot of teams. And the Dolphins also. There, there's some talk about him. You know, maybe, uh, maybe to Miami also. I think Miami could make sense. They they get a lot more cap space if they move on from Tannehill. Jacksonville concerns me though because of this whole risk situation with Bortles. Because if if he, if, from what I understand, if he's not healthy by the time the new league year starts, his contract is guaranteed. Yeah, is and that he has right? to, Do I have that right? You're 100 percent right. He has to. He also has to throw to pass the physical. And you would assume, even though he played through this injury, but he had surgery, probably hard for him to throw coming off of surgery within a six week window. Right. So I, I kind of think Jacksonville shot themselves in the foot here. Uh, by uh by by allowing Bortles to wait to have the surgery. Yeah, but you had to let the the season play out because of how well they were doing. Yeah, they really okay. shot themselves in the foot by going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and then, and then 
not hanging in there in the fourth quarter. I, I don't see an obvious loser in this trade fantasy-wise. I mean, everybody seems to, to – I like Alex Smith. I think he's a fine quarterback. It's pretty good for Washington. Um, you, you know. Yeah, but you have, you have you know, very good de- – like, I don't even know if Washington is even the second-best team in their division now because I, I would expect Dallas to bounce back with everybody there and healthy. No, they haven't been the second-best team. I think team. the Giants bounce back too. And exactly. So the, the trade to me makes no sense from Washington's standpoint. Like, I don't think they got better as a team. Uh, well, I, I can but, explain to you how it makes sense. But they for got Washington. they got cheaper. I mean, they don't have to pay Alex yes. Smith thirty four million dollars. Sure, but you also had to give up a draft pick and one of your better defensive players to do so. So they could have tried to go the Case Keenum route, which would have been cheaper. They could have drafted somebody and just walked away from Cousins. There's a lot of ways they could have got better and still uh, got cheaper and still gotten better, or at least on the same page. I felt like. Alex Smith had an amazing 2017, and the Redskins saw that, and they compared it to what Kirk Cousins had been doing, and they figured, all right, we've got a this guy could be a competitive quarterback for us. He can help us win, and he's coming at a discount compared to what we'd have to pay Kirk Cousins on the franchise tag, and they knew they weren't going to be able to resign him. I mean, it, it, it. I just think that that's just the way that thing was going. That there was no chance that they could get him to a long term deal. So, I, I think this is. Washington making the best of it. It's not necessarily what I think is the right thing, Jamie. I think you made some uh, really good points about just letting Kirk Cousins walk, bringing in a Case Keenum or a Sam Bradford, and then drafting a quarterback. But they obviously felt more comfortable going this route. I, I think it's going to end up the same way, though. I think they're going to struggle to win their division. And maybe if there is a loser, maybe a stretch, but Amari Cooper? Is Kendall Fuller going over to the Chiefs? And, and it's just... Cooper can't escape. Uh, he can't escape maybe. tough matchups. You know, he struggled within his division before, but not necessarily against the Chiefs. And uh I don't know. Maybe this hurts him. Well, you, you brought up an interesting one when this was – we didn't know where Alex Smith was going because you talked about Travis Kelsey maybe losing because of yeah. what Alex Smith has done for him and that rapport that those two guys have. I think that's an interesting one. Like, I, I you know, we're going to show our rankings – but we're, we're recording this on Thursday. We're going to show up our rankings by the end of the week, assuming everything works technically. Um, I still have Kelsey as my second best tight end. You know, I, I, I'm not going to change that because of Mahomes until, you know, he falls on his face and I don't expect that to happen. I'm going to talk to Kelsey tomorrow, as a matter of fact, on Friday. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he thinks about Mahomes, but I, I, I think your, your, your theory on this does hold some water just because of what maybe the the bigger play type of quarterback does for a guy that doesn't necessarily look for the safer throws. Right. In that same vein, you look at the type of offense that Mahomes played in in college. It's the spread formation. His top three receivers were – or his top three stat producers were all wide receivers, not really tight ends. But the Chiefs don't use Kelsey as a traditional tight end. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's – I don't think it will hurt Kelsey too badly. All right, fellas. So we're going to get into the Super Bowl in just a little bit. Give me some DFS advice. Give me a final score prediction. Uh, we were supposed to have Steve Tasker, CBS analyst, former Buffalo Bill, who's certainly familiar with Super Bowls on today. We weren't able to make the interview happen, but I did get a chance to ask him one question off the air. By the way, he's like the nicest guy. So, uh, I want to- Yes, he is. Yeah, right? Yep. You met him? Or talked to him? Yes. Oh, he's so yep. nice. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Bills fan now. Um, so I'll tell you what I asked him. Sorry, Buffalo. Draw, <laughs> drawing a parallel, um, from, uh, Super Bowl 52 to one of the Super Bowls the Bills played in. Okay, anyway, if you want to listen to the Super Bowl, check out TuneIn. TuneIn is the only place digitally to listen to the game for free. Everywhere else you need a subscription. So check out TuneIn. It's a very cool app and website. 
Uh, we, like I said on Tuesday's show, we are the number one sports podcast on TuneIn, and we love you for that. So thank you, TuneIn listeners. But if you want to listen to the Super Bowl, go to TuneIn.com slash Super Bowl for more information and download the TuneIn app. You can use TuneIn on Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Roku, Sonos, Apple, and Android devices. Coverage starts at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Super Bowl. They got the game for free if you want the audio on TuneIn. All right, TuneIn.com slash Super Bowl, by the way, or download the app. So, Jamie, coming from Super Bowl week, let's talk about a trendy quarterback. Is he going to be a top five quarterback for you? Deshaun Watson, and what's his health situation? So, yes, he is going to be a top five quarterback for me. Um, I, I I got a chance to speak to him. He was on our set on uh, uh, on Radio Row, and he says his – I mean, he's walking around fine. You know, uh, it's, it's certainly far enough removed from when he had the injury, when he had the surgery. Uh, he says he's fine. You know, he says – you know, I asked him, what's your goal? Is it – off season, you know, OTAs or is it, uh, is it camp? And he said, you know, I'm not even going to mess around with OTAs. It's, it's just for training camp. He expects to be fine. He talked about how, you know, it, what he showed in a small sample size, he's hoping to, you know, obviously display for 16 games and he's excited about his, you know, upcoming season and, you know, kind of to build off what he showed in his rookie year. All right. That's good stuff. Dave, any reaction? None whatsoever. I, I have him as my number five quarterback and. I'm expecting him to be ready for the start of training camp. And I'll say this. If Carson Wentz is not ready and Deshaun Watson is, then I will move Watson ahead of Wentz. All right. You have Watson over Breeze? Yes. Jamie, you have Watson over Breeze? Yeah, I have Breeze seventh, I believe. Okay. Melvin Gordon. You had a chance to talk to Melvin Gordon. What do you have to say? I'll tell you what. I, I, this is the second year in a row I, I, I spoke to Melvin. I talked to him at the Pro Bowl two years ago and uh, and, and here – one of the nicest guys you can meet. He just, you know, it's funny because the way this thing sets is set up, you know, these guys go from basically booth to booth to booth, you know, and they're talking about the things that they're promoting and and, and themselves. Uh, he's one of the few guys that after he's done, he hangs around and he talks. Uh, so he was, you know, just just the nicest guy. Um, very aware of where he finished this year as a running back. He said, you know, I asked him about his season and he said, you know, he said, I had a good year, but I didn't live up to my standards. I was seventh in rushing, blah, 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 you know, just kind of rattling off his stats. So he, he kind of, you know, keeps an eye on it. And he said, I'm chasing my arch rival. And I was like, okay, who's his arch rival? You know, I'm thinking quickly in my head. And so I said, who's your arch rival? And he goes, Todd Gurley. We're always going to be compared to each other because of the draft. We're friends from college. And so I keep an eye on what he's doing. He's up for the MVP this year. I'm not, I didn't even go to the Pro Bowl. Oh. So it, it's, it's something that's on his mind that he wants to be. You know, considered the best guy at, at, at his position and, and one of the best guys in the league. And so I think that motivates him and, and clearly that's something we like to hear fantasy wise because that's going to help his, his production on the field. Yeah. Not I love really. the chip on his shoulder. And I asked you this before we went on the air, Jamie. Uh, did you mention the yards per carry thing? Did you talk about how we've debated Melvin Gordon so much on the podcast and on our, on our video because of really because of what Heath and Chris Towers say about him all the time, that they don't believe he's truly this genuine rare talent, um, even though he's super productive for fantasy. Did that even cross your mind as something to talk about with him as a topic of his game? No. I mean, uh, I, I think you know where I come out on this. I don't I don't kind of fall in line with what Heath and Chris think about Melvin Gordon. Uh, I, I think he's kind of proven himself as, as a fantasy asset. And, you know, yards per carry isn't really the best indication of what a – how good a player is just as yards per catch is not really a good indication or yards per, you know, uh, depth per target, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. yards per attempt. 
you know, any of those things don't really necessarily, for me at least, uh, define who a player is. So I, it, it didn't even cross my mind to talk to Melvin Gordon about that. To be fair to them, did, do Heath and Chris still feel that way about Melvin Gordon? I think they've, they've been beaten over the head with it enough to where they know <laughs> not to, not to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, we anymore. did this, we did this story at the end of the season, you know, Chris asked us to, uh, uh give, our, our fantasy resolutions, and I, I know Keith. One of his was, "I will never doubt Melvin, or I will not doubt Melvin Gordon again." Yeah, I'll see if we can stick with that one. We'll see. Uh, I've got, I have Melvin Gordon as a first round pick, by the way. I'm not sure where Jamie's got him. Obviously, he's a top twelve running. Oh, back. of course, he's a first round pick. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's one of those back half first round pick running backs that you'll, you'll look forward to drafting. Todd Gurley went with the tenth pick in 2015, and Melvin Gordon with the fifteenth pick. Okay, Jamie. Alvin Kamara was not a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Will be a first-round pick in certainly PPR, I, I'm thinking. I don't know about standard, but uh, what would you hear from Alvin Kamara? So the first thing that I asked him, which is something that we also talk about on our podcast, is how do you pronounce your last name? Oh, nice. <laughs> and his answer was? Kamara. Kamara. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, no, awesome. man, come on, you gotta tell me, it's your name. He goes, I really don't care. <laughs> so. So were you like, alright, we're here with Alvin Jones. <laughs> uh, no, uh. Alvin Eisenberg. I, I called him Camaro. Um, and so he, he's, you know, he's, I talked to him at the Pro Bowl too. So, I, you know, I know we'll get into this probably a little bit more as the offseason goes on, but it's been a little bit of a, a blur of like when I've talked to some of these guys, cause I went from the Pro Bowl to the Super Bowl. Um, but he is also very aware of the, the landscape of his position. And like he talked about at the Pro Bowl, uh, Le'Veon Bell getting paid and how he's kind of the guinea pig for everybody else. So he's, you know, he says, I watch all these guys. He goes, I go home on Sunday and I, I check out what everybody's doing. Uh, but he thinks this rookie class can be among the best group, uh, you know, of running backs and maybe the best class of running backs ever. And he might not be off on that. You know, I mean, Kareem Hunt just led the league in rushing. He had obviously a, an amazing season. Uh, I talked to Greg Olson, you know, he said we have not yet seen the best of Christian McCaffrey. And he said just oh, yeah. watching it from afar when he was hurt really showed how special this kid could be. So we know that there's upside there, especially with that with new offensive coordinator and Leonard Fournette and, and the season that he just had plus what his potential is. So, uh, we, we also, you know, have guys that are still going to, I think, get an opportunity to, to, you know, maybe flourish, you know, Marlon Mack and, and Matt Breida and some of these other guys, uh, that, that we didn't see get full opportunity. So it's going to be fun to see how this, this whole rookie running back class shakes out. But, um, you know, Kamara, one, one thing he said that kind of stood out, which I, I never heard before. Do you know what their nickname is? Um, Kamara and Ingram? Uh, it's not thunder and lightning, is it? No, I, cause I asked him that. I said, you know, what's, uh, every great running back tandem has a, has a nickname. What's yours? And he said, uh, they've been calling us locally boom and zoom. He said, uh, they don't really love it so much, Yeah, but I, I think it's kind of cool. It's not bad. Maybe we can do better. Should we, if you can get in touch with him, we can have our listeners submit nicknames for Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara or Kamara or Jones. And you can throw <laughs> it back to him. Uh, alright, let's go to your last note here. And it's about Stefan Dix and the quarterback situation in Minnesota. Did he give any indication of who he thinks that might be next year? So at the Pro Bowl, I talked to Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph. And then I asked Stefan Diggs and to a man, they all said, we love all three guys, you know, and it didn't really seem as it was just like, you know, player coach speak. Like you can see there's like a genuine like for, uh, I, I think each guy, you know, there's probably a, you know, a, a pecking order for each of them, how they, how they think about them. But I, I think that that group has sort of become very confident in themselves and, and rightfully so. Um, Diggs, Thielen and, and Rudolph, and they were very 
exceptionally glowing about Dalvin Cook and what his upside could be, which is, you know, clearly encouraging to hear because we're all, uh, I, I think, hoping that he bounces back at 100% after last year's torn ACL. But, um, you know, each of those guys, you know, kind of look at and say, whoever the guy comes in, I think they feel, you know, we talk about this all the time. Does the quarterback make the receivers? Does the receiver make the quarterback? I think they felt like as great as Case Keenum played this year, that that group elevated him. And I think they feel like they can do that with anybody. So if it's a Kirk Cousins that comes in, clearly that's a different type of player because he's kind of established himself. Mm-hmm. But if they get Keenan back or if they don't, you know, have, you know, one of these three guys, I think they feel like they can still play at a high level. Now, clearly we'll evaluate that differently when we find out who the guy is. But, you know, Adam, I know you've been talking about this. Uh, if Keenan does come back, I, I think you could probably expect those guys to sort of maintain their level of play. Maybe not, you know, Thielen being a thousand yards, maybe he goes, you know, 906 touchdowns, his touchdowns go up, you know, and, and, and the numbers sort of move around a little bit, but I think their relevancy will sort of remain the same. Dave, are you worried about them with a new offensive coordinator? Saw it really hurt the Falcons. Yeah, I'm not really worried about it yet. I want to evaluate it all once it comes together and I don't think that's going to happen until March. It could be, but, it could also be the, the quarterback coach getting promoted, which would kind of keep things the same. Yeah. I think that that would help. And you think about all the changes that they've gone through at play caller over the last two seasons. And you almost think it's, it's amazing that they, they did what they did in 2017, especially. But I think, I think those guys are right. I think Diggs, Thielen and Rudolph are all really good. They can make any quarterback look at least decent. In the case of Case Keenum, who was a decent quarterback to begin with, they made him look good. So I, it's almost, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who their quarterback is. You'd like it to be somebody like Cousins, someone who you've seen good skills from and just fall in and, and kind of make like a superstar unit out of that entire team. Let's wait and see what happens. All right, guys, we're going to get into the Super Bowl in just a second. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, why don't you check out SeatGeek? You want to go anywhere, sports, concerts, theater, comedy, use the SeatGeek app, put it on your phone. I use SeatGeek all the time. It is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. It's really awesome. And and I remember on my way to a Yankees game, which I had tickets on SeatGeek, I'm sitting next to this lady, and she's using a different ticket app. This is a true story. And she's going crazy. She's calling customer service because she's not getting her tickets. I go on my SeatGeek app, and I look at like similar tickets, same section, and they're, I don't know, 10 20 bucks cheaper, something like that. It was really eye-opening. And I'm just thinking, like, people need to know about SeatGeek. It is so much better than whatever you've been using in the past. It searches multiple ticket sites. It gets you the best deals. It saves you time, and it saves you money. You don't have to do all the work anymore. SeatGeek will do it for you. That's why I love to use the SeatGeek app, and I use it basically anytime I go to a game. And you can get 20 bucks off when you download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code. It is FFT. The promo code is FFT, as in Fantasy Football Today. Get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app and use the promo code FFT. All right, I'm going to give you some Super Bowl prop bets from Will Brinson. Uh, Pink is singing the national anthem. She is a big Eagles fan. And there is a uh, prop bet. Will Pink say Eagles before, during, or after she sings the national anthem? Yes is plus 170. No is minus 250. What do you think? I'll say no. Yeah, she won't do that, right? She'll keep it professional. Yeah, she's a pro. Uh, she has to say it as soon as she's done? Before, during, or after. I guess, you know, during her whole time. See, I could see, so like, you know, go after Eagles. she hits the last note, crowd's applauding, crowd is applauding. As she walks up, 
As she walks off, she says, go Eagles. Yeah, I, I, I think she that. says it after the Eagles scored their first touchdown. She's like, yeah, go Eagles. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I don't think you would have bet for that. Uh, a oh. non-fun prop bet that I think is very interesting you, the, because the line is crazy. Uh, will there be a touchdown? Let me get the, will there be a score in the final two minutes of the first half? And that's like a trademark of the Patriots. Yes is minus 300. One to three. No is plus 240. Will there be a score in the final two minutes of the first half? Would, would you lay that down for, for the yes side? Minus 300. In my college days, when I actually bet games, I would always take the no. Figuring, ah, oh, there's no, you know, the, the odds are against the team scoring if you think about it in the grand scheme. But you know how it is. There's hurry up offenses. The Patriots are masters at it. And I think the Eagles could probably pull it off too. It's a lot to lay. I I wouldn't take that bet. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, You can bet on Pink's hair color. Uh, Will Pink forget or omit a word of the national anthem? Yes is plus 300. No is minus 500. That's not going to happen. Will has a very fun story on the prop bet, so go ahead and take a look at that. Now, uh, I asked Steve Tasker. Basically, I wanted to know if – I knew the answer would be no, but I was curious. You know, if he thought the um, Patriots would would take the Eagles lightly because of the backup quarterback – and he played in the Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler. And what he reminded me of was that it was actually the Bills who injured Phil Simms right around the same time in the season as Carson Wentz got injured pretty late in the year. And Jeff Hostetler, Jeff Hostetler came in in that game and, and the Bills barely won. So no, they did not take, uh, they did not take the Giants lightly because they I think you've got your court. backups confused. Why? Oh no, you don't. No, no, no. I- no, I don't think you do either. No, no, no. So the the, the Bills injured Phil Simms in the regular season. For a second, I thought season. you said Jim Kelly, but you said Phil Simms. No, no, they injured Phil Simms in the regular season. The two teams played in the regular season, and they faced Jeff Hostetler in that game and then again in the Super Bowl. Did not take him lightly. So so there's that. Uh, all right, what, what are you guys thinking about this game? We can do DFS lineups on both FanDuel and DraftKings. They're very, very different contests. But, you know, break it down. Who do you think – Offensively, are the must plays in DFS, Dave? Uh, well, I believe on both sides you can use two quarterbacks in your lineup. Yep, you can. And so I like the idea of using both the quarterbacks. It's going to cost you a lot to do it, obviously, but I think it's worth it. I think there's a chance that this could be a pretty high-scoring game. I think both offenses will be running on all cylinders. It's easy to say for the Patriots, but I really think Philadelphia's got a chance to do it too. So I would probably start with that. And if I'm if I'm using Foles and Brady, then I can't really afford to get the other marquee guys at those at the other positions. So I'm looking for sleepers, guys that are going to be a little cheaper. Uh, I think Nelson Aguilar is one of those guys. I think Chris Hogan is criminally criminally undervalued. Um and and I think the running backs are pretty undervalued in comparison. Deion Lewis is, is, I mean, he's the most expensive running back out there, but I think he'll be okay. I think a is worth taking a spin on. If you, if you absolutely need, uh, a cheap running back, I think Corey Clement could be that guy. How do you I feel like about his matchup? As how do you feel about back. Zach Ertz? We know the Patriots since like week six. They gave up five touchdowns to tight ends in their first six games. Since then, one touchdown. It was last week or two weeks ago to, to Mercedes Lewis, who had one catch in the game. I mean, they have been great against tight ends. None of them even close to the caliber of uh, of Zach Ertz. How do you feel about Ertz this week? I, I'm ready to say no to Ertz. I think the Patriots do a good job taking him away, both in the red zone and out. That's probably going to be Patrick Chung's assignment. He's been playing really well. 
And I, I think that's going to be part of the Patriots game plan is to force Nick Foles to throw to the sidelines. Okay. Jamie, what's your take on this game? Who do you like? Which players? I, I think if you're going to use, uh, the quarterbacks on FanDuel, you have to use it in the super flex position more so than the other positions because you get eight points for passing touchdowns. Um, otherwise I don't really love the quarterbacks because of the four points for passing touchdowns and just looking at how quarterbacks typically score in daily. I don't think it's worth it for the money you have to spend for Brady. Interesting. So, uh, especially on DraftKings where it's full point PPR. So right now I have it, which I'm going to switch it around. I have Danny Amendola in the, the double flex spot. The, right. The, let me, uh, let me explain, gonna, let me explain how it works because this is definitely different. So on FanDuel, you start five guys. Does it, any position doesn't matter. Just five offensive players, and then one player is two times the points. So I have Brady there currently. Right, that's a smart move. You're gonna do that. Yeah, I think that's what everybody's gonna do. Yep. Yeah, unless you're in a, I don't know if you can do like tournament style rather than head to head or you know fifty fifty cash games, but you could go con- contrarian there and not play Brady. Um, I do have both quarterbacks, but maybe I'll take Foles out. Maybe you're right. Free up a little bit of money. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's not worth it because with the, with the four points for passing touchdowns, they don't give you the same type of value that you would typically think. So, right, right. uh, I, I think the way that, that I'm approaching it, Danny Amendola is the must play everywhere because of just how he's performed in the playoffs and how Tom Brady is leaning on him right now. Uh, I did two different lineups, you know, just kind of, you know, I'll, I'll write the story again. I'll probably write it today. Um, uh, about the plays that I like. And so I, I, I try to get some different guys in there, but I think Brandon Cooks is going to be a little bit of a challenge for the yep. Eagles cornerbacks yep. if he plays like he played last week. Yeah, I agree. And, and, uh, I, 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 I think Dave mentioned, you know, Corey Clement, um, for FanDuel purposes, uh, his, his $7,000 value is, is great because it allows you to get somebody who's going to be involved to a certain extent. I don't agree, guys. I don't know. He has had one, he, he has 16 catches this year, Corey Clement. 16 catches. I know he had a five catch game. What was against the Falcons? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 16 catches the entire year. That includes the postseason. Maybe it's 18. No, I think it's 16 catches in 18 games. I, Cause I had Corey Clement in there too, but most of the time he's doing absolutely nothing. I don't want to be fooled by that Falcons game. Yeah, but uh, I think just again his price is the is the interesting thing. It's not necessarily what his guaranteed production is. It's it's kind of more of a gamble because you look at other guys that are in his price point. I don't know how much they're going to touch the ball. Yeah, so, I, like, I don't want I don't want to have to dip that low because he could give you a like like legit zero. Well, I mean, I, I'll just tell you what what I did. I I went with in the the non double point spots mm-hmm. James White because again. His playoff production kind of speaks for itself. Amendola, same thing. And Deion Lewis was the other guy that I used. Um, I, I think there's there's two things at play for him. You, you know, you, you hear me talk about these things a lot. One, he's going to be a free agent after this game. So this is his chance to put a big performance on a big stage. And it's a revenge game for him, too. So he was a former Eagle. He talked about that media night, um, you know, about how important it is for him to kind of show them what they missed. So They asked I, him, what is what do you remember about playing for Philadelphia and he goes not playing exactly you know so <laughs> I, I think there's some things at play for for him here so I like both running backs for New England I like Amendola I like Brady and then the only other guy I could squeeze in at that price point is Corey Clement so he's going to be involved I agree with you Adam it's it's, it's if, if you're expecting a guaranteed five catches you're not going to get that but there is a little bit of a wild card scenario at hit for him if the Eagles are chasing points. And, and I felt the like the bottom line is that you're gonna have to try some of these wild cards. I don't think so. I felt like there the were game. enough good offensive players 
that I didn't really feel like because I have both kickers in my lineup for uh for my for FanDuel, and I don't think that's such a bad strategy. You know, kickers score a lot of points. Um, sure. I, I have Brady in the in the two in the you know the double flex. I have mm-hmm. Amendola, Jay Ajayi, Jake Elliott, and and Steven Goskowski. You know, look, I I could drop down from Elliott to Corey Clement and save my. I guess I don't, I don't know how much Clement is here. Uh, he's seven thousand. Seven thousand on FanDuel. Save fifteen hundred. No, I don't. I don't even know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there are a lot of guys I really like, but I, I don't think you have to go to Corey Clement. If you guys think he's going to be good, but I just want to caution people that for the most part, he is completely uninvolved, one-catch guy, usually. Okay, yeah, so do you have any other suggestions for guys that are around that price no, point? You could, you, no, you could <laughs> take a chance on you know exactly what you were talking about, you guys were talking about with Zach Ertz, that maybe Trey Burton gets freed up and, and has you know a, a chance for one play. Maybe same thing with Brent Selleck. You know, those guys are on the field. Um, there, but there's really not a lot of guys once you get past the, you know, I, yeah. I think kind of the, yeah. the cutoff might be the, the, the guys that are 9,000 and less, you know, Blunt, Burkhead, Elliott, or maybe Torrey Smith. That's but it you right can't there. Fit those guys in. But the, Torrey Smith is the last guy in FanDuel that I am, that I am considering using. After that, it is kind of, and Torrey Smith himself is a bit of a dart throw. So I have Jake Elliott at 8,500. The cheap, cheaper than that, you're talking Torrey Smith, Mike Gillisley, Corey Clement, Trey Burton, and nobody else that anyone's going to use. And that, like, yeah, all those guys, it could happen. I could see scenarios, but, but Elliot is like, Elliot's probably the last guy at 8,500 that is guaranteed to give you a solid, you know, something. Right? And so he's the cheapest player that I'm considering, and I have Jake Elliott, and in my lineup I also have Guskowski, Amendola, Ajayi, and Tom Brady, with $500 left to spare. Uh, so I don't, so personally, I don't think you have to go that low. I think you can do a representative lineup, a respectable lineup without going that low. And it's funny because, uh, we both have $500 less, less. <laughs> left, yeah. With different, different players. Uh, we can transition over to DraftKings, but how, how high scoring do you think it's going to be? I have final score 2420. I, I won't, and okay. I, I don't have a great feel for the game. I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen here. So if you want a good another good read on our site, uh, which Pete Prisco does every year, he ranks the the starters yeah. for each team, and he he kind of you know there's a little bit of a caveat to it because he takes the starting lineups from the championship game. So you you may not see like a third receiver in there if he didn't start the game. You may not see like I don't think he ranks both Patriots running backs because you know he he goes with uh you know I'm assuming it was Deion Lewis was was the starter you know took the first snap for the Eagles. So James White might not be in there. So it's a little bit skewed. But if you, if you, even if you just think about it right now, knowing the teams as, as you know them, whoever's listening, there's Brady, there's Gronk. And then who's next for the Patriots? You could say Brandon Cooks. You could say Stephon Gilmore. You could say, you he know, went, he went with a pass rusher. Oh, no, no, I, I, right? I went trade flowers, but I'm, I'm saying like, yeah. you know, if you, if you go just strictly around, uh, uh, uh who has the better team? The better team is the Eagles. The better quarterback and the better coach are the Patriots. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where people, you know, lie. All right. So how about this? I'm going to give you guys, Jamie, give me your FanDuel lineup real quick. It's, uh, Danny Amendola, James White, Deion Lewis, Corey Clement, and then in the double bonus spot is Tom Brady. And Dave, you don't have one, right? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? I've okay. got Brady in my double bonus spot. I've got, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Deion Lewis, Chris Hogan, and currently Corey Clement, but I do have enough left over to change up to Torrey Smith or even Rex Burkhead if I so choose. What about Jake How Elliott? How exciting would that be? What about Jake Elliott? 
You could do that. Yeah, right? I, I'm I'm good with what I got. All right. I mean, Jake Elliott is almost certainly going to outscore Corey Clement. No? He might. It's possible. We got about three minutes left before Jamie has to go. Or Jamie, you have to go now? Yeah, I'm going to give you DraftKings if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Give me your DraftKings lineup. So DraftKings, you have to use defensive players. Uh, I went with Trey Flowers and Fletcher Cox in those two spots. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys will get into the scoring for, for defense when I'm, the, when I'm gone. But, uh, again, just to switch up a little bit, I did go with Amendola and James White because of the PPR scoring. I think that will help them. I went with Gronk. And I went with Brandon Cook, so I don't have any quarterbacks on this team. Okay, Dave and I will finish up here, then we'll bring you our Todd Gurley interview. Jamie, thank you very much. Enjoy the game. You got it. I'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Have fun, Jamie. Stay warm. All right, so we got a lineup from Jamie on DraftKings. When you listen to the Todd Gurley interview, you'll actually hear Dave's lineup on DraftKings. Here is my lineup on DraftKings. Tom Brady, Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, who's getting about seven carries and has a touchdown in two straight games. Uh, and Rob Gronkowski. Did I say him? Brady, Gronk, Ajayi, and Blunt. Brady, Gronk, Ajayi, and Blunt. I have wow, Nigel. Double trouble on the Eagles run game. Yeah. Nigel Bradham and Stefan Gilmore, uh, are my two Love the Bradham. players. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's, uh, that's my DraftKings lineup. I'm going to give you a player. You tell me if you think he'll do good, great, bad, terrible. All right. Sure. Tom Brady. Uh, Nick Foles. Start with the Eagles. Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is going to be okay. I really do. I, I was very encouraged by what I saw against Minnesota and still very encouraged about what he did earlier in the season. Uh, I don't think he's as bad as he was in that game against Atlanta. Uh, let's do this kind of quick so we can uh, get to some voicemails and maybe some emails. Jay Well, he's been getting about 15 touches a game. I don't know if he's going to get quite that many. One of the things that I'm a believer of is that Philadelphia will throw a lot, and that's going to fit Corey Clement, who I think is – Taylor made to take advantage of the matchups against the linebackers of the Patriots. So you're not feeling JJ. I wouldn't use him in daily. Okay, I'm using him because he's had or one, and you're using both of them. I'm using, yeah. I mean, look, they they run the ball. I mean, that's what they do. They run the ball, and and Ajayi's got 21 or more receiving yards in four straight games. Um, and I, I don't know, like they'd have to be trailing for them to get away from Ajayi, and I don't know that they can be trailing by enough. Uh, you don't want to use a guy. You don't want to use Blunt. You do like Corey Clement as a flyer. Alshon Jeffrey, real quick, Dave. Good, great, bad, terrible. I think he's good. Uh, he might score. He hasn't had 100 yards in a game all season long. That's not about to change. Nelson Aguilar. Like his matchup a lot. Yes. I think that, I think that that's the money matchup for Philadelphia to attack. Patriots suck against the slot. They yeah, really Yeah, it's going to be Eric Rowe. Lining, unless they go with Butler. And even if it's Butler in the slot, I think that that's going to be – Something that they can exploit. I think Aguilar has a chance to have a very nice game. It's just a matter of him getting the targets. He hasn't had a lot of them lately. Zach Ertz. I think he'll be shut down by uh, Patrick Chung. I shouldn't say shut down. I don't think he's going to have a big game. He could have a a five for sixty type of game. Yeah, yeah. I had him in a lineup. I took him out. I man. Uh, Tom yeah. Brady. Well, I don't know. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, is it like a 23-point game or a 30-point fantasy game? I, I think it's probably going to be closer to 23 than th- – well, I don't know. I, it, I'm i going to say 30. I'm going to take back what Ooh, I said. Big I game. think he's got a chance to put up three touchdowns Ooh, in the game. All right. I think Nick Foles can too, though. I, I think that both of these teams are going to put up a lot of points. The The question to me is whether or not Tom Brady is going to have enough time in the pocket. Deion Lewis. I love how he's been catching the ball out of the backfield. He's been doing such a great job in many roles for New England. Good, great, bad, okay, terrible. He's great. He's great. <laughs> they can't follow rules. James White, follow rules. 
He's good. Uh, Rex Burkhead. Not good. I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know how healthy he is. Brandon Cooks. Good. Danny Amendola. Uh, not good. Really? I, I know Jamie's a big fan of him, but I think with Rob Gronkowski back, it's going to change how they, the Patriots use Amendola. Or, yeah, right. Patriots use Amendola. Chris Hogan. Plus, Eagles have been okay against the slot this year. Uh, if Hogan is up against Jalen Mills, and that's what I'm expecting a lot of, then I, I think he can, I think he can find some good numbers. All right. A little bit of a sleeper there, Chris Hogan. Jalen Mills is where I think the Patriots are going to attack. Uh, well, the, the Eagles have not been good against the good tight ends they've faced this year. So I, I think Gronk, if you can get him in your lineup, he's a basically must play for me. Uh, what do you think? Sure. Gronk, like him. Final score prediction? 31-30 Eagles. Whoa, very high scoring. 31-30 Eagles! Going with the Eagles! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm going 24-20 Patriots in a game that, uh, makes me want to rip my eyes out because I hate these teams so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be rooting for the Eagles. I don't, I don't feel that way about either of these teams. Uh, I'm excited to see them play. I like the aggressive nature of Philadelphia's offense. I think they've got an edge on their offensive line and defensive line. Clearly the edge at quarterback is going to go to New England, but I, I, I don't think Nick Foles melts. And I think that that will keep the Philadelphia Eagles in the game. I think it's going to be a game in the fourth quarter. And I think, I think Philadelphia finds a way to just hang on at the end. I'll be rooting for the Eagles because my, my, my new nephew, my wife's nephew that's now mine is a big Eagles fan. So is his dad. So I'll be watching with them. So that's terrible. As a Giants fan, you're going to root for the Eagles. I'm it's rooting like rooting for the Seminoles. I'm rooting for family. Rooting for family. How about you just root for a good game? No like one gets that. hurt. Everybody comes back healthy for 2018. I am I am down with that, and um, I hope to uh, – I don't love chicken wings anymore, but I do hope to have some on Super Bowl Sunday. That's kind of like you have to. And and I said this last year. I'll say it every year. Uh, sour cream and onion chips with French onion dip. Well, that's maybe too much onion. Regular potato chips with French onion dip is a staple. Got to have it. Chicken wings sound good this year. Yeah, I, I could go for some wings. Dave, we got voicemails and emails. Let's, uh, let's do it. 954-689-3199. 954-689-3199. If you want to leave us a message, no keeper questions, please. And, uh, yes, please give me your name and your city at the start. Just like this. Here we go. Hey everyone, this is Joe calling from Central Pennsylvania. How do you feel about the relationship between good tight ends and quarterbacks? And, uh, Good tight end production, what does that mean for a base level of production for quarterbacks? I feel like uh, a lot of the good tight ends had good quarterback play. And uh, so what does that mean for somebody like uh, Philip Rivers next year if Hunter Henry takes the next step? Or what does that mean for Eli with his tight end situation? That is my question. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Well, I think you have to look at how tight ends are basically used in offenses, and it varies from team to team. We talked earlier in today's podcast about how the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey. You compare that to how the Vikings use Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Rudolph is used more as an inline tight end. They use him as a blocker, not as much as he goes out for a pass, but certainly a lot. Kelsey can block, but he's far more dangerous as a pass catcher. So he's more of a wide receiver. And so I think the teams that use their tight ends more as wide receivers 
The blockers, obviously, they're going to get more targets, those tight ends will. They'll put up better numbers. The more numbers that those tight ends put up, obviously, that helps the quarterback with them, too. I think a lot of teams are trying to find those mismatched tight ends. I think that that's just a consistent chase across the league. And it's really been going on, really, honestly, since Tony Gonzalez was in the league. Right, but but now that Rob Gronkowski but it's an has interesting... come in and, and kind of re remade the mold of what a great tight end looks like in the NFL, I think teams are trying to find that. I think that's why the Bears took Adam Shaheen. Yeah, but it's an interesting question, Dave, pick. from a fantasy perspective, because the question is about the quarterback-tight end combination. And you can be a great quarterback without a great tight end. We see that all the time. But if you have a great tight end on your team, does that almost guarantee you fantasy relevance as a quarterback? And is that depends something we on look what at? your other receivers are like and well, what they're doing? How many how many top five tight ends don't have fantasy relevant quarterbacks? You know, doesn't? Yeah, it's a great call. To, it is. A, it's an interesting call. Yeah. Um, although. Want to go back and look, let's, why don't we try although, and find the, I think, the first tight end? I think Evan Ingram was a top five tight end, right? Yes. And so, and Eli Manning was not, so that would probably be one case. How about Delaney Walker in yeah. Tennessee? Because Marcus right. Mariota was a guy people wanted to run away from. How about Jack Doyle in Indy? Well, he wasn't a top five tight end. No, he was a top ten tight end. Maybe in, maybe in PPR, I, he was close. You wouldn't search Jacoby Brissett in fantasy on a bet. Right. That's true. I guess I get look, Gronkowski, Kelsey, Ertz, and Graham were the top four tight ends in fantasy this year. And their quarterbacks were awesome. Their quarterbacks were all awesome. So th- there might be a correlation, but it's not a, a set in stone rule. Um all right, here's one from Dwayne. Hey guys, this is Dwayne from Moni, Illinois, and I've got a question or actually I need your opinion regarding draft position. Do you prefer to draft a team based on where they finished last year, meaning if the team finished last place, they get the first pick, second to last, second pick, and so on, or have the commissioner randomly draw a name out of the hat. It's about, you know, where where should teams draft? Should it be based on last year's standings? I think if it's a keeper league, that makes perfect sense. You've got the same guys in the league every year. You want them to have some sort of prize, I guess, or you know, the the silver lining to finishing in last and not making any money and, and being the butt of your league. Well, at least you got the top pick next year. That's how it works in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Now, what they do in the NBA is interesting, where everybody has a chance to get the number one pick. Obviously, the worst teams get more chances. They do the lottery. Oh, do a lottery. I love it. I think that that might be – I think that makes it a little more fun. For, for figuring out your, your draft selection after a year. So the teams that don't make the playoffs, they get their names in a hat. Say the, the team that finished last, they get, you know, seven names in the hat. And then the next one, six and so on and so forth. It depends on your league. And you do a lottery to see who gets the number one pick. The most fun thing I heard, uh, and it, we've talked about it on this podcast before is teams will use a March Madness bracket. They'll do a, a, a pool for March Madness. And the team that wins the bracket gets the number one pick in the draft. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, there's some. There's now maybe some you make options. a rule where if, if you play in the championship game, you're you're not eligible to get the top pick or the a top five pick, something like that. Maybe you make a special rule where the person who wins the bracket you can't win the championship and the bracket and get the number one pick. I, I don't know what you want to do, but if if you don't really care about having the slots reseeded based on standings from the year prior, do the March Madness thing. It, it gives your league a chance to get together for a weekend or two 
uh, over the course of the off season and have a little fun. You ready to hear from the uh, number one pick in next year's fantasy drafts? The number one pick in next year's fantasy draft. Oh my God, we're going to hear from Jake Elliott? We are. We sure are. After we hear from Todd Gurley. All right, we're going to play the Todd Gurley interview. Please enjoy it. And everybody, enjoy the Super Bowl. I hope we can podcast on Monday. If not, we'll podcast on Tuesday. Dave, enjoy the Super Bowl, my friend. I will. You do the same, Adam. Here's Todd Gurley. All right, now it's time to talk to Rams running back in fantasy football MVP, Todd Gurley, who is joining us. Todd, thank you so much for coming on Fantasy Football today. How you doing right now? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just won four awards. Um, so, some DraftKings, so I can't complain, man. Oh, what kind of awards? We gotta talk about DraftKings in the showdown. What kind <laughs> of awards did you pull in? Um, I got the MVP, most improved, Mr. Consistency, and best single game performance. And this weekend, don't forget, you know, DraftKings are putting on their first ever Super Bowl product, the showdown. You get to pick six players each team for offense and two defensively. So it'll be a great, great competition this weekend, and hopefully it'll be a good game. Yes. You know what? I'm I am ahead of you on the showdown. I checked it out before we sat down to talk, and oh, you I already it, checked, you already checked it out. Todd, it's completely different from what DraftKings usually does because you've got to yeah. pick two defensive players. You can pick mm-hmm. multiple players at the same position. For example, I've got Brady and Foles in my lineup. Uh, I, I think this is I think this is something that's really cool. If if someone who's, who tried daily fantasy and they didn't like it. Yeah. This is this is something that's a little easier, and, and yeah, it seems like it's going to be a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, man. It's the Super Bowl, so you know when you're at the Tala having a little Super Bowl party, just get showdown, pick your pick your teams, and compete. Yeah, actually, in terms of just fantasy, uh, I did a showdown a few weeks ago for the Falcons Eagles game. This is I know this is the first time DraftKings is doing it um, for. Uh, for the Super Bowl, Super but they've, Bowl. they've been doing it for a few yeah. weeks, right? So I, I enjoyed it. It was difficult. It was challenging. Dave, you got a lineup you want to share with us for this? Yeah, sure. And you can go ahead and grade me. Both of you can grade me on this one. Like I said, I've got. Four oh, you years. already I've did the lineup. I've got. I got my lineup. So you've got to tell me if 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 this is a good one or just okay. You tell me. Brady and Foles, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Corey yeah, Clement, yeah, yeah. who who is somebody that who I think could be a little bit of a difference maker for Philadelphia in this game. And you've got to pick two defensive players. I went and I saw who the two best defensive players fantasy-wise were for Philadelphia this year. Uh, Nigel Bradham, Malcolm Jenkins, no-brainers for me to go with those two guys. So I'm, I'm pretty heavy on Philadelphia here, but I've got, I've got the GOAT as well. As long as you got him, you're, you're good. <laughs> Todd, are you allowed to give any uh, predictions? Do you have a, a feeling of who might win this game? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I guess the Patriots got one last year, so I want my boy, want my boy Nelson to get one. Okay. You know, um, but it, it'll be a good game, man. It'll be a good game. You know, I guess I feel like as long as Philly don't turn the ball over, they they have a good chance to win for sure. Well, we want to find out a little bit more about Todd Gurley. So the, we're going to start this interview off now. You know, we certainly uh, I want everybody to go to DraftKings and do a showdown, but I do need to apologize to you, Todd. Uh, I hope you can forgive me. I made a huge mistake about a month into the season. I traded you off of my fantasy team. Uh, you know, traded me I did. I'm sorry. I, I got Jordy Nelson and Ty Montgomery. I didn't even get this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell anybody until right now. Uh, please don't hang up, but, but I am very sorry and I, no, I, I learned my lesson. Up. I'll tell you what, Todd, you made me look good because when you came out and you went through that whole draft process, I know you were coming off the knee, 
And I, I still remember writing that Todd Gurley was the one to get from this class and told everybody in fantasy, keep an eye on this guy. As soon as he gets the opportunity for the Rams, he's, he's going to take off. The two differences that I noticed about two years ago and last year, 2016, 2017, were your offensive line and the play calling. And I want to ask about each one separately. So first, the offensive line, it seemed like maybe there was a change in technique on top of adding Andrew Whitworth, John Sullivan. I think those veteran additions were great. I thought Saffold was good. Haven't seen had a great year. What changes up front helped you the most in 2017? I mean, obviously, you know, just bringing in Big Whit, man. Um, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. He's a all-pro, pro-bo type of player. And then um, you know, Sully. Sully did a great job, um, center, um, just coming in and, and putting everybody together, putting everybody in great situations, making the right calls. And and then, you know, the, the, the key no one really talks about is Coach Cromer. You know, he came the offensive line coach. He he came in and, you know, got got those big boys right, man, and, and, and still this offense. Um, I, I knew what he was doing up there with Shady in Buffalo. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of excited to, to have him. And, um you know, we was able to, you know, protect for golf and give him enough time. And, you know, once once you give a quarterback like that enough time, I mean, you know, you do great things. Uh, I, I thought so, too. And now I want to ask about the play calling. And I love how McVay found creative ways to get you the football, trusted you to make plays. When did you realize that McVay would be a difference maker for you? When I, when I, when we just started watching, the you know, the Washington film and the practices and all that stuff, just, you know, just, just knowing the stats, you know, they had two 1,000 yard receivers the year before. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins has had an incredible year. And then their running backs always did a great job. You know, Chris Thompson was a great, was one of the, is or is the best third down back, you know, before he had got hurt. So, you know, once you see that on film and, you know, you kind of turn to your teammates and start smiling like, oh man, this, this can be exciting. Yeah, it was a very exciting year, and, and you obviously were the fantasy MVP. It's hard to believe this, but you had a 26-game stretch, the end of your rookie season to even portions of this season, 26 games with only one 100-yard rushing game. And it's just, like, it's amazing because we saw how, how incredible of a talent you were at, you know, at Georgia, and then in your rookie year you really took off. Can you even believe that looking back? It's really 2016 that stands out. Um, just how difficult it was uh, offensively for you. I, I hope that doesn't come off as an insult or anything like that. We obviously know what you're capable of, but can you can you believe looking back yeah. at how much of a struggle 2016 was? Oh man, you know that's crazy. Um, I didn't even know it. So I really didn't notice it until you said it. But um, yeah, man, you know that tells you you know how hard the lead is and and you know how tough it is you know, to, to be able to be a good player day in and day out in this league. But um, what was the other question? My bad. No, no, that was basically it. But um, I, you know, I'll transition to this and, and say that I, I truthfully, if I had an MVP vote, Dave, I'm working on that. Maybe we can get that to happen. I would have voted for Todd Gurley to win MVP. I don't know who's going to win it, but it seems like Tom Brady is the favorite. Uh, first of all, if you had an MVP vote, Todd, who would you vote for? And do you think a running back can realistically win MVP in this era? Um, yeah, someone, AP just won it like three, three, four years ago, man. So, um, I mean, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm just happy to be be able to be in the conversation of the of the voting and 
you know, hopefully I win it. But, you know, the running back, we definitely deserve some love for sure. All right, I'm looking at your 2017 schedule, and obviously so many great games that you had there. But is there an opponent that you went up against that maybe you still think about even now uh, that you wish you had another crack at him, one that was really tough for you last season? Minnesota. I mean, yeah, Minnesota, but but Seattle. You know, Seattle game, that first game of the year, um, you know, it came out and I think on my first or second carry, you know, I was about to score, but I fumbled and it was a touchback. So, you know, that kind of, yeah. you know, from that point on, you know, when something bad like that happens in the game, it's just trying to bring the energy down for the team. So that's definitely a game I wish I could bring back. I love that you remember that. Like, I, I love that that's the, that's the specific part that you remember because it, it's when you made a mistake and you, you clearly didn't let it bother you for the rest of the season, but it's, it's just one of those little things that I think the real genuine football guys who play in this league, the ones who are truly successful, they, they remember those mistakes forever and they do whatever they can. They, they almost feed off of that mistake. Yeah, because yeah, and that's what football is about, man. You go through like bad times, you make bad plays, but you know you go through that time to the next week, you're making that mistake. So you know that's why you love about sports, man. You you go through good times, you go through bad times, but you know you definitely have to learn from the bad times to to celebrate the good. Yeah, and one thing that that's helped you become a better player is your involvement in the passing game. You've caught 21. 43 and 64 passes in three seasons. Can you talk about how that became a bigger part of your game? You know, just obviously over a couple of years, man, just watching guys like that. Just seeing those guys, man, just working at the back foot. It's always fun to be out there in space and, and, and try to try to make some plays. So you think all, all running backs want to be more involved in the passing game for the most part? Well, that's just, that's just kind of the way – the, the way the game's involved, you know, obviously over the last couple of years, it's, it's been, a, you know, more passing. So it's like, hey, don't leave us out. Let us get in on the fun too. Right. And actually I wanted to ask you about that and talking about how the game's evolved. It's It's been more and more of a passing league. I was wondering if you thought because, you know, you see Leonard Fournette drafted in the top five and Christian McCaffrey in the top ten, just, you know, Ezekiel Elliott top ten, you were a very high pick. And we had gone away from that, you know, with like Le'Veon Bell's season, and we had gone away from running backs even going in the first round. Now we're back to that. And I wondered, do you think it's going to remain a passing game and, and running backs will make their mark there as well? Or do you think we're going to get back to kind of more of an old-school football style where running backs are featured more and, and teams run to set up the pass maybe, uh, you know, and rather than the other way around? What do you think? I mean, it just depends on all, you know, just always depends on how, how – how the OC wants the offense, you know, ran to do one, the run pass or pass run. But um, you have to have both. You have to have both. You have to be able to run the ball to pass the ball. You have to be able to pass the ball, to pass the ball to run the ball. So you, just, I just feel like you have to be be able to have that balance. And and if you look at the Super Bowl team, you know, you have to, be able to run the ball and pass the ball, and that's why the situation there. Todd, uh, the Rams lost quarterbacks coach Matt LaFleur to the Titans. I would assume that you've been around him enough to know a thing or two about him. What's what's Tennessee getting in Matt LaFleur? Oh, man, they're getting a good coach. Obviously, you know, only got the one year with him, but, um, you know, just for him to come in and, you know, be able to be with us and, and help us out and be a part of the success and just coming from Atlanta and, and being with Matt Ryan. So, 
Um, they have a great quarterback in, in Mariota down there, man. So um, the guys, those guys made it to the second round of the playoffs. So, you know, they're definitely going to get a great coach. He's going to put in, put in the work for sure. Uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about how he'll do with Mariota down there in Tennessee. So I'm, I'm glad that he you the feel QB the same coach, way. Or was he the OC? Was he the OC? He's going to be the, the play caller. He's going to be the OC now. Okay. All right. So, okay. I would, yeah, I would imagine a lot of bootleg and, and moving Mariota around and and a big step up for them. We had uh, Greg Olson on our show a couple months ago, and I asked him, if you were commissioner, what's the first thing you would change? And, you know, it took him uh, caught him a little off guard. He didn't have time to think about it, so he just said he, did, he didn't like the choreographed <laughs> celebrations. I was like, what? I love the choreographed celebrations. So I do have a celebration question for you, but first I will ask you the same question. If you were the commissioner, Commissioner Gurley, what's the first thing you would change? Oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying the contract. Everybody got to be guaranteed, and everybody should make at least $2 million. At least how much? $2 million. $2 million. Wow. Uh, no, no one, no one should be playing for less than a uh, less than a mill in the NFL. That's all that money they make. You don't want to give nobody. You want to give a uh, eight year vet five six hundred thousand dollars. That don't even make any sense. Do you think the the players and the owners have a have a? How would you characterize the relationship right now? Is it a good relationship? Well, as far as players, owners, yeah. I mean, as far as players, owners, um, you know, we don't. I mean, we don't have personal relationships, but. You know, we're blessed to be able to say we're on the on the Rams and the team. So definitely thankful to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know, man. We'll we'll see once the we'll see how we really are once that new CBA come out in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, then to follow up on the uh, the celebrations, I was I saw I think it was on it uh it was in one of the LA papers. <laughs> you said that you guys have bad chemistry on celebrations, but you're in the end zone so much that you didn't really care that much. Are you going to work on your, your end zone celebrations in the off season? Will that be a priority for the Rams? Yeah, man. I'm going to be with Odell this whole off season <laughs> trying to get my celebration <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so I, I say this out of love, but don't let him get you fined, you know, or, you know, or in trouble. <laughs> no, nah, nah, nah. I need my money. I ain't playing for free. They already, they already don't want to play us that much, so, but I got, I can't be out here getting fine. And, and that too, I'm taking away the fines. Okay. I'm taking away all that. I'm with I you. I mean, obviously, if you out here doing crazy stuff, but, you know. Yeah, I feel it. I mean, cool. I see some of these fines are, are pretty excessive. And, and then, more for the defense, like, um, like all these flags and people calling people dirt. I get, I'm right back. I get hit, however, so I don't really care how I, no one else gets hit. Cause, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the sport we play, man. It's just, hey, if you don't want to get hit, then don't play. I've got you on my fantasy team and I care when you get hit. And I don't <laughs> want to see you get a single bruise, man. I want you to be in perfect shape all season long. So. That's why you gotta be the, you gotta be the bruiser, bro. You gotta be, you gotta be the hammer, not yeah. the nail. All right, I like that. All right, so we're gonna leave it on this, Dave. Um, just, you know, we were reading, I was reading a story from, I think it's 2014, uh, getting ready for this interview, and it was, it was ESPN.com feature on Todd Gurley. And, uh, the thing that caught my eye, Dave and I are big Simpsons fans, and the story said that your brother yeah. was a big Simpsons fan, and you love Homer Simpson because, quote, he does what he wants and says what he wants, he sits around drinking hey, uh, a lot of beer. <laughs> Are you a big Simpsons guy, Todd? Yeah, man, to this day. 
that um you know we grew up so we just grew up um collecting all the seasons like we just grew up so such big fans and we were at university the other day for the pro bowl they had to shut um university down for us so they had the simpson characters so we, we had a good time man did you go on did the simpsons ride the US, they wrote yeah, did you go I on the Simpsons not, ride? Oh, sorry. My, my nieces and nephews got—they got me sick on the Minions ride, <laughs> so I had to—I <laughs> I had to—I had to get off that ride. And of course, they wanted to the ride it again, but um, I, I didn't feel like walking across the park, so we didn't make it. But my brother made it, though. He made it. Well, if you want more about Todd Gurley and the Pro Bowl, you can see the story that Jamie just wrote about him on CBSSports.com and. Todd, you're the fantasy MVP. I'm sorry for trading you. Thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And that's going to do it for fantasy football today. Dave Richard, I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you next time.